Modern smartphones are sleek and thin, but they're also fragile and expensive. If you're really careful, you may use it until you're ready to upgrade without shattering the glass. But if you look around, you'll see most phones wrapped in a case for protection. Our personal data is even more valuable than the device it's stored on, and it deserves just as much protection. The work that I do requires me to travel a lot, which means I'm frequently to connect, connected to unfamiliar networks. Nefarious hackers can make up to $1,000 selling the data of each of their victims on the dark web, and there are cheap hardware and software tools readily available that let even a smart middle schooler snatch your data without you even noticing. A virtual private network, or VPN, like ExpressVPN, creates a secure, encrypted tunnel between your devices and the servers that you're transmitting data to and from. When you're, when you're sitting at the airport gate area, or airline lounge, or even your hotel room, those Wi-Fi networks aren't secure. Your bits are flying through the air, and whether you're checking your bank account balance, sending data to a client, or just checking your email, bad actors can snatch up your usernames, passwords, and everything else you send and receive if it's not encrypted. The layers of security used by ExpressVPN would take over a billion years to expose by bad guys with some of the most powerful supercomputers. ExpressVPN trusted server technology also runs each session in memory in a unique virtual space that is wiped clean as you end your session with none of your data ever written to a hard drive, so there's no residue for anyone to recover about what you were doing after the fact. ExpressVPN runs on almost all devices, including Windows, Mac, iOS, Linux, Android, streaming devices like Chromecast, Roku, Fire Stick, and Apple TV, and there's also a Chrome browser extension. It's super simple to use. Once you install ExpressVPN, it's one click to establish a secure encrypted tunnel with servers in 105 countries around the world. I've personally been paying for and using ExpressVPN for years on all of my personal devices. When I, started, when I first started using VPNs for work more than 20 years ago, they were often slow and unstable and had to be restarted frequently. But with ExpressVPN, data speeds are virtually unchanged from running fully exposed, so you can just turn the VPN on and leave it on. I often get materials from clients and companies that are, that are under embargo or NDA, and if it leaks out, I can get into some trouble. But even if I just wanted to reach back to my personal server to grab some files, check my email, or watch something that's only available on one of my streaming services at home while I'm out of the country, ExpressVPN lets me do it all securely. Your data is valuable. Don't let bad actors steal it and potentially misuse it. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash wheelbearings. And you can get an extra three months free when you sign up. Expressvpn.com slash wheelbearings. And thanks to ExpressVPN for supporting wheelbearings. Coming up on episode 306 of Wheelbearings, we've got the Volkswagen Taos, the Jeep Grand Cherokee L, the Nissan Z, the Buick and Vista, no more gray Fiats, VW goes autonomous in Austin, the uh, Ford Maverick Hybrid is no longer a bargain, um, more on the adoption of NACS for EV charging in North America, and goodbye to Peter Horbury. All that and more coming up next. This is episode 306 of Wheel Bearings. I am Sam Abuel Samich from Guidehouse Insights. 
And I am Roberto Baldwin, and I am now the news and features content manager for Hot Cars and Top Speed. I got a and job. You, and, and now you just have to keep remembering that title. I can't remember the title. I can't remember. My, I know what I do. At least, they, <laughs> at least they cut it down from the original version of it. It was very long before. There was like operations words in there. There were a lot of words in there, but they've, they've cut it down to just news and features content manager. So I'm the... I'm uh, if you if you've been to hot cars or top speed, um, so things are things are going to be changing. <laughs> I'm going to be making things uh, better. We're going to be making things more like a. Uh, uh, I mean, my friends work at these places, but I'm really aiming for Motor One and for um, the drive. I'm going to take them down. I should, well, I should call. I should call Kyle and tell him I'm going to take them down. <laughs> Uh, we're always going to take each other down but we're always just like hey what are you doing later i don't know you want to hang out okay and nicole will be joining us in progress she is on her way home she was dealing with some stuff uh some family stuff this morning so she will be with us in a few minutes hopefully uh but in the meantime uh what have you been driving so this uh past week I drove the Jeep Grand Cherokee L. Ooh, the the L, L stands for long limo. Longer. Longer. <laughs> lengthier. Uh, larger. <laughs> lengthier. Anyway, you get the gist. So I drove that. I drove that up to um, Sierra Meadows up near Oakhurst on the way to Yosemite. Um, because a bunch of my bands, well, not a bunch, two of them, had shows at a music festival they had up there. And so I needed a big car. I'm a big boy, and I need a big cereal. Uh, so the Jeep Cherokee is big. Yeah, so this yeah, was yeah. the replacement for the expedition that got broken last week, right? Yes, yes. So this was uh, – I was I was very fortunate. Uh, Jake over – he's the our, um, our page one uh, local fleet manager, and he is a wonderful person. Him and the whole crew over there, really, page one Bay Area, just – outstanding they're always very helpful they're always really accommodating because sometimes you know we'll set up a whole schedule for what i need to do you know here are the cars that are coming and then like three days later i'll get invited to a bunch of events so then i have to like email like hey i can't eat this car can we change this car to this day can we you know can i pick up the, the, this car at the airport and drop this one off the airport and and they're very they're very accommodating they're very nice and um the fact that they were able to give me another large uh vehicle the next day was was really helpful, and uh, yeah, it's just enough room. The Jeep. If you're in a band and you're the guitarist and also a DJ, <laughs> and also you have a giant box with a Daft Punk helmet in it, um, this is the vehicle to get. <laughs> Excellent. So all, Excellent. everybody out there who's got a big Daft Punk helmet and some guitars and and other gear and, and some amps. My Grand Cherokee L. Yeah, and plus am. plus plus all the stuff for so you and your wife. That's what at least the market of what the dressable market is like three or four people. Yeah, there's like three people in the world. So three yeah. of us, we're we're doing great. Um, yeah, no, it's you know Jeep has been uh, sort of a premium brand for a long time. You know, we, we think we think of the Wrangler, but the reality is, you know, all of those SUVs, all those Grand Cherokees, all those wagons. Really, in the last decade, it's gotten significantly more premium. Despite, yeah, you know, since since since. Fiat took over Chrysler, you know, they've, they've really moved the Jeep brand up market. Which makes sense because it was always sort of affluent. I always remember affluent, like families were the ones who bought the the Cherokees, you know, in, in, in my small town for, because it snows and there's dirt and you got to go off road all the time. You know, they sort of bought those. They didn't buy Broncos. They didn't buy, 
uh, I guess not really Subarus that much at the time, but you know they brought the they bought the Cherokee, they bought the Wagoneer, they were the, they were the fans the fancy family, so it made sense to sort of just move the vehicle the whole lineup up you know up market, and those people could buy something and also have a really nice interior inside, which it does have. It has a really nice interior inside. It was very comfortable for a very long um, about three and a half hours each way. Um, I will talk about a little bit about the um, the fuel economy. So <laughs> it's 18 such city, as it is. <laughs> such as it is. It's 18 city, 25 highway. <clears throat> I was going uphill mm-hmm. at a f- fast pace in 105, uh, 105 degree weather. So we had the air conditioning blasting. And, you know, we had to go all the way up into the mountains. So by the time I got there, I was averaging 17.5 miles per gallon. That's not which bad, actually. Which isn't which isn't bad when you when you when you put it in the context. Like if I had just been driving to say Fresno or L.A. or somewhere where I'm just cruising along a freeway um, with with very little uh, elevation change, it, but I probably I would have gotten a lot better. And also, if it wasn't 105 degrees, <laughs> blasting the air conditioning because uh, I am from the Bay Area and. If it, it's 60 degrees and overcast most of the time, in fact, that's what it is right now. I look out the window, 60 degrees overcast. It's outstanding. But when you take us out of the Bay Area and we have to use, you know, air conditioning, yeah, we really, really were blasting on this vehicle. So it's, it's, you know, it's. So I'm, I'm going to give it a, 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 a you know, it's, it was like the other day when I, I did the, um, <clears throat> the Etron uh, Q8 drive, where you know it didn't quite hit its, um, its EPA target. Is about 12 miles or so underneath the EPA target, but it gets crazy windy here, like in, like you know, there's windmills and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, and so it just sort of destroyed. <laughs> you know, I was just <laughs> driving. I was on the freeway, just driving again in into a headwind like the entire time. And so you know, you, you when you take, you're like, okay, well, this is why it didn't hit its EPA target. It's the same thing with this. I mean, this is why this vehicle didn't hit this, its EPA target because we were, you know, it was loaded full of gear, air conditioning was blasting. And we're going uphill into the mountains. So how did you yeah. come in downhill? Because presumably you well, went downhill on the way back. Yes. But what happened was because while we were there, I just decimated that. <laughs> I made oh. it worse. It got down to like 15, like average, because we were just kind of driving around and looking around because it was so hot during the day. And, you know, you do a show at night. And so we, we could either A, stay in the cabin or B, just kind of go driving around and looking around. So we, we often sort of drive around and look around a lot of times. Because it would be so hot outside. You, you'd be outside for like 10 minutes. I'm like, I can't. I can't deal with this. Like, I'll get a heat rash. Like, I'm just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> so so by the time we got back, I think I got it back up to like 17 after like destroying it, driving, you know, very yeah. short distances with the air conditioning on, with the car just sitting with the air. Like we would do that thing where you start it and it start, you know, turns the air conditioning, just like destroying the environment for our own, for our own comfort is basically what we were doing the entire time we had this Jeep. And every time I do it, I'm like, oh, I kind of feel a little, I don't feel that bad when I do it with the, with the, uh, with the Kona. You're like, oh, I'll just turn it on, turn the air conditioning on because it's electricity. It's cheaper. We get it at night. It's like, oh, but this is like, yeah, it is. We're just destroying like dead dinosaurs and plants from like the prehistoric age, <laughs> in order to just to, to be a little comfortable and just filling the air with. Uh, so with, you are the cause of climate change, then? Yeah, yeah. That's why I felt like I felt like that. This this the Fourth of July weekend, uh, America. I was full on American. I was just destroying <laughs> the environment in a vehicle that most of the time I would I probably wouldn't drive. Um, but you know, we did load it. It wasn't like I was like the time I had the, uh, the, the Lincoln, 
um, Navigator, and it was just me and my wife driving all the way to San Diego. <laughs> and Lincoln's like, we can give it to you this week. I'm like, um, I'm driving to San Diego this week. I'm like, do you care? They're like, ah, no, it's fine. At one point, my wife just sat in the third row. <laughs> So uh, anyway, so the Grand Cherokee, uh, it's nice. Um, it's comfortable. It has that little funny family thing where you can see your family. Like, oh, the camera. <laughs> yeah, the family camera. You see the second and third row seats. Yeah, but you only see like the back of their heads. <laughs> it's really weird. <laughs> it's not like the camera is like right behind the first row where it's looking backwards. Right, it's it's like, kind of in the middle or above the second row, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like above the, the second row. So you look rows. down. So I guess you can look down and see what your your kids are doing. You can make sure they're not like, you know, I guess on their I mean, tablets. if you have an infant in one of those rear-facing child seats. Yeah, like yeah, that, it makes a can... lot of sense for that. It, is, yeah. it makes less sense for, for, for you know, people who don't have children, I guess. I'm just like, eh, what are my friends doing? I'm like, what are you looking at? <laughs> Why are you reading that site? I wrote that article. You should be reading it on another site. Um, it, uh, you know, one of the issues I had is the way this – how the um, – the infotainment screen is is displayed it's not like at a right angle it's kind of angled down mm -hmm. towards the windshield so it ends up getting more glare than most other um most other vehicles that i've driven because it's not at a 90 degree it's you know right they don't have the where the 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 screen is like tablet style perched up on top of the dash it's yeah kind of yeah integrated. It's kind of integrated in the dash, and so because it's 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 pointed, it's getting. I was getting a lot of sun coming in through the windshield that was like hitting it, and you know I didn't have the top open at all because it was again 105 degrees, and I, I wanted as, as little sun in the vehicle as possible. Um, and also those buttons along the top above that, unless you're tall, you can't really see what's going on. <laughs> you don't know what those buttons are. They're like they're sort of like on top, and they're you know the names are pointed up, and it's just it's a very weird. It was a weird design decision when they when it came to the placement of the infotainment screen and the buttons above it so that those are my sort of big like boo come on um decisions that uh that jeep made while they're uh making this vehicle other than that you know it you know plenty of power if you're you need to pass people who have drive the, the v6 or the v8 i had the v6 3.6 liter v6 uh with eight speed automatic transmission um yeah, most of the time I had it in just regular mode, uh, but it, it doesn't have like an eco mode. You can't, but it does. It lowers and raises itself like there's no tomorrow. Like that's half its job is lowering and raising itself. And so while you're driving, it'll be oh, I've I've lowered myself to aerodynamic, you know, optimization. So I guess that's its eco mode. Yeah. Um, and you know when you're, you're you're parking, raise itself, or you put it in off road. I mean, I didn't go off roading in this at all. I drove on a dirt. Did, did road. you try the third row? Uh, no, no, I don't bother with third rows anymore, really, to be honest, because it's, it's, I don't know. I mean, I guess I could have fit back there if I really wanted to. The second row was fine as long as the person in front of you didn't put their seat back too far. Um, even when I when I pushed the seat back, um, it was it still could be a little bit cramped in there. Um, you know, third rows are fine, fine, whatever. If you need a third row, it's there. Um, I mean, I I think I, this vehicle, I'd rather have a the second row that actually moves back further than the third row, just. Just take the cargo space and forget the, I don't know, those extra two children you have. You shouldn't have had so many children. That's your problem. <laughs> well, or, yeah, I mean, well, it sounds like sounds like the Grand Cherokee L is kind of the perfect vehicle for those with a Daft Punk cover band. But yeah. If you, if you really need to use the third row, you might be better off stepping up to the Wagoneer. Yeah, or or just a van. Yeah. And, and get better gas mileage because, yeah, uh, yeah you know, I had a, it was it's the Summit 4x4. 
I didn't do any four by fouring. I don't yeah. know anyone. This, people, most, yeah. most Jeep owners don't. Yeah, that's the thing is most Jeep owners aren't taking these things off road. If you are, then good for you. You know, it's like most people who have trucks. Most, you know, I have a big truck. What do you do with it? I put some stuff on it. So it looks angry. I'm like, okay, well, what do you do? Do you, do you, do you, are you, do you have a business or <laughs> what do you, what do you do with this truck? And, like, and you're like, ah, I just got a truck. I love trucks. And I'm like, okay, fine. Uh, meanwhile, this weekend I saw my uncle who does, who has a big ranch and all this stuff. And he had a big, you know, I think he had a Duramax, like, you know, extra cab. And I'm like, all right. And he had a giant like tow thing on the back. And I'm like, all right, I know he's, I've had to go up and help him like wrangle cattle. So before, so that's uh it's a fun insight into me and my family. Um, so yeah, so yeah, the Jeep Cherokee. No, it's it's you know you're looking for an upscale um, um, vehicle. You, you you don't want a Land Rover. Uh, really, <laughs> that's that's sort of it's you know it's big uh, who who you're fighting with. Um, I know that Mercedes has really been pushing um, its its SUVs ability to go off road. We took the uh, the um, <sighs> GLS off-road in Colorado, and it was it did really well, it did, uh, and, and surprisingly well for for you know, and we did way more off-roading than I would say 99.9% of most people who buy one of these, um, buy one of these uh, SUVs will ever do. Um, but Jeep, you know, Jeep has that lineage. You're, you're, you know, it has the word Jeep in it, so you're gonna yeah. buy it, and you're gonna live in Vermont, or you're gonna live in in, in Colorado, or this is gonna be your car, you know. You're, you're you're driving around town car in Montana because um, you're not you know your 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 regular big truck is being used to haul cattle. <laughs> well, I think it's, you know one of the one of the real competitors to this particular vehicle to the Grand Cherokee L, I think, is the the Rivian R1S. You know, they're almost the same size. You know, very very similar in size. Um, you know, three row SUV. Um, you know, with the three row, the third row is there, but you know, it's not really, you know, meant for a lot of use, I think. Yeah. It's um, just sort of, hey, but, you know, it, it's electric instead of gas powered. And I think it's, it's going to be interesting, you know, next year when the, the Wagoneer S or whatever they end up calling it, because that, that vehicle is very similar in size as well, arrives, um, you know, and goes up directly against the R1S to see how they, how they compare. Well, you can. I mean, the, one of the things is you can actually get the Jeep. Yeah, <laughs> getting get the Rivian's like <laughs> that's, that's a good a point. I, I like the Rivian. I like the R1S. I like the R1T. They're both great trucks, uh, great SUVs. Uh, but also, I mean, good luck. <laughs> yeah. Well, they, um, they, they did. They did release their second quarter uh, production numbers, and their their, num- their their production volumes increased quite a bit. I think they built, I think, about twelve and a half thousand in the second quarter. Oh, that's good. So they're so they're, they're starting there. to catch up with demand. Yeah, I think you know. I think everyone's. I think the, the sort of uh, supply chain um, nightmare that has been plaguing at literally everyone in the you know, automotive world is sort of starting to ease up a bit. Everyone's, you know, all these companies are able to get their 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 uh, supplies a lot quicker and a lot easier. And so, you know, we're, we'll probably start seeing. You know, you can actually like order a car and have it within a, a reasonable time. Um, you know, based on you know the automaker still um and and demand but yeah no so anyway so this one uh yeah the grand cherokee the base price for this puppy was sixty five thousand seven hundred ten dollars um uh, what i drove uh seventy three thousand five hundred fifteen dollars um you know that's 
it's not more expensive than you would expect. It's pretty much what I expected, you know, based on everything that was in it in this price range in this market. Um, you know, you, again, you got the third row. Um, I wouldn't put basketball players back there um, or in the second row, to be honest, uh, especially if you have some in the first row. Um, but your Daft Punk but if, helmet will fit perfectly. But my giant Daft Punk helmet, it's like I got a big giant box. The box is, it's, it's not that it's heavy. It's, it's, it's a pain in the butt to get through doors. Yeah. <laughs> uh what do you guys think the what you guys it was played destination charge uh um i don't know whatever game we, whatever we're calling the game it's still okay, 830 go, now that i'm here i'm gonna go 1495 uh since this is a stellantis vehicle and they've been they've been pretty aggressive in upping their their delivery charges i'm gonna say 1795 boom do you get like a special prize if you hit it Oh, is that exactly it? That was exactly at five, seventeen ninety five. Nicely done. Yeah, I, I seem to re- remember that being the the charge the last time I had one of these. So, uh, uh, I don't know. What we what do we give you? I, just, I guess Nicole owes you five dollars. Yeah. I, I clapped. Go. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, okay, Nicole clapped. That's good enough. Nicole Your undying clapped. adulation will suffice. <gasps> oh, the 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 Macintosh music, the the stereo system in this vehicle is. Unbelievable! It's so good. Did the, you play the, with the, the meters and everything? Oh, the the meter app? Yeah, you, really so you turned a little. It's, it takes too long to get to those meters, by the way. Oh those yeah, no, it's kind really of cool, yeah. Once like, you get there, like they're buried, awesome. You got to find them, and you turn it on. You're like, yeah, and you don't want to turn anything else on. You're like, don't you need your directions? Nah, I don't need nothing. I got the meters. <laughs> the meters, I'm all good. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just an app. It's it's the Mac. If you have one of these, and you're like, where are the meters? Which seems like they should just be part of like the media, like full. You know, when you when you go to the media pages, hit a button and boom, meters. No, it's go and fi- open another app. In the it's weird, um, but yeah, because uh, uh, because I have a lot of uh, bands that are essentially you know tribute bands, so I had to listen to you know I was doing a we were doing a Talking Heads show up there, and so for the sake of everyone has this, we use Spotify. Well, Spotify's audio quality is trash. It's not that great. I mean, it's good if you know, like, okay, I need to learn the notes, I need to learn where to sing, but it's just not that great. So as soon as I got in the car. I went over to Apple Music because they use a lossless compression. I just started playing just random talking head songs. And the live stuff just sounds outstanding. I was like just blasting it, driving around. I'm like, this is amazing. So, I mean, it, yeah, that radio, yeah, it's almost, that's kind of worth everything. You know, the, the sort of, you know, the, that lean, that angle, everything else. Who cares? Who cares? Bad, you know, <laughs> third row isn't that, you know, most third rows, you know, not to pick on Jeep, most third rows don't fit me. Third rows doesn't have that much room for a tall person. Um you can't see what the buttons on top are, but you can you can listen to your music. It just and, and you know, especially if you're using some sort of lossless compression, it sounds amazing. Excellent. All right. Well, Nicole, now that you're with us, yeah. Sorry about that. <laughs> oh, no worries. It happens. Yes. So, what do you got? I had. Um, it's funny. Well, first of I all, was... who are you with this week? Who am I with this week? Yeah, because, I mean, you weren't here for the introduction. Oh, I forgot. We haven't done the entry yet. I'm like, wait, what? Who am I with? Um, I'm going to stick with my podcast, the Road Reflective Podcast, my little little passion project there that I'm having fun with. Um, So the car that I'm in, it's kind of funny. I was in California for a few days to celebrate a friend's birthday, and um, I briefly drove a loaner that, by dumb luck, is exactly the same car I have in my driveway this week. But one was the manual and one was the automatic. Oh, so you got so it back to back. I got it back to back. So what I have is the Nissan Z. California, I have the automatic. Here, I have the manual. So I drove the automatic around a little bit, which is fine. I drove the manual here. And you know what? I love the manual transmission on this car. 
like some, I mean, I know how to drive one. I've been driving one for years. Sometimes it can be a challenge because you get, you know, everyone, everyone has a different sort of pressure point on that clutch. You spend your first few seconds, like, wait, where is it? You know, trying to get a smooth and it takes a couple tries and you, you know, you're smooth again, but this, the clutch is so nice. It is so easy. It's not hard on your leg. If you're like in a stop and go situation. And also the, just the, actually the gear shift is a nice short throw. I love it. I love driving this car. I'm planning on just driving in circles later on today. I'm just going to go for a drive just for the fun. Driving in circles. Yeah. There's this, there's this highway, um, on That's what sports bias. cars are for. Exactly. Right. Why else do you buy a sports car? So there's this highway on ramp by us that has this like giant S curves to it. It's like, you go, it's, it's just really aggressive and everyone's getting really angry because they're getting on the highway. So you have to drive with a certain sense of urgency. And I love driving cars that I had to drive that this morning. It's like, we, <laughs> it was so much fun. So what's in this car, there's a three, three liter V6. It's a twin turbo with 400 horsepower and 350 pound feet of torque. So you get either, I believe it's a nine speed automatic or the six speed manual. Um, super fun car. I mean, it's just really fun. It, it's, it's a nice little tiny sports car that um, Robbie could never fit into because my husband. No, I drove it. it. He, Russ found it really it. tight. Did you find it narrow? Russ found the. I, I, I drive enough. a BRZ, so okay. so you're. Fine. I have long legs, but I mean, I have the seat all the way. But it's you know what? In the, I think my I'm, I'm far more comfortable in my BRZ than I am in this car. Yeah, I feel like the interior for the for the Z is is sort of like eh. Yeah, like they, they, they made the outside look really, really cool. But then the inside, they're like, eh, forget it. Yeah, so it was like the seats aren't bad, but they're definitely not the comfiest seats around. No, um, no, and not, it was tough. Great. Like Russ is 6'3", and he like took a seat. And then when he, you know, he moved it back as far as it was go. But his legs, I don't know, maybe he's more legs than you are. Probably. What's his inseam? I'm 36. I don't know what it is. Yeah, I, I might just That's be terrible. used to like sitting around Maybe with my knees your, already, he, always bent all the time. I just so he's yeah. <laughs> he hates it when his knees hit like the center console in the door, like when he can't straighten his leg out enough, so his knees are bunk. And he uh, was, oh yeah, that's that's my life. Yeah, so he was not comfortable with that. Um, so after driving it a little bit in California, he got home. He's like, oh my god, wait, hold on, I gotta fold myself into this car. So, um, but it is really, it is really, it's fun to drive. The ride is good. Like it's, you know, this is a two seater. This is a little sporty car and it's not going to be like riding like a Mercedes. You're driving a little sports car. So it's a little bit rougher than what you would find in like a nice little sedan or something like that. But that's not why you're buying this. If you want that, go buy that and don't have the fun that you have when you're driving the Z. I like driving this. I feel like it does. It does what it's supposed to do really well, which is just be a fun little sports car, something that is a hoot to drive in the twisties. It looks cute on the outside. It has, you know, the inside looks neat. like with the one we had um, this, the one in my driveway is that I can't find the name of the yellow. It's like yellow that they can see from outer space. It is the brightest yellow color. I've it's, it is Ikuzuchi, Ikuzuchi yellow. Okay, Ikazuchi yellow, which is you can see it from space. Like if you'd like to look at a map of my of the planet right now, little yellow glowing dot in New Hampshire, that's my house. Um, it is so bright, but the inside is just black, just black. It's like not very exciting. And I was like, oh, because I had one once that there's a you can get blue paint on the outside, but there's a blue interior. The one we had, 
in California had a, like sort of a, it made me think of like a battleship gray exterior with a black roof. And it had that really, really bright, bright blue interior. So it was kind of neat. It's sort of yeah, this I mild manner car on the outside. You open it up. It's like, woo, it looks really cool. Uh, so I love that blue. If I was going to get this, I get the blue on the outside and the blue on the inside. And I'd be just a brilliant blueberry driving down the road. <laughs> and I'd be very, very happy. Uh, so, but it does look cute. I mean, it's a fun little car. It looks cute. It has enough power. It's not like overly aggressive, but it's, I mean, it's a tiny little thing with 400 horsepower. It moves, um, but also tiny little things. So, you know, I had enough room in there. Robbie, you said you can fit it in your okay. My husband thought he was going to die having to sit it's, in the passenger seat. Again, it's, I think it's mostly because I'm used to having to have that, that seating position where my legs yeah. are hitting the sides. So. And he's not at all. So it felt snug to him. Um, I do like the behind, because there's not there's one cup holder. There's a little spot, though, where you could, like, toss your phone and, like, your car key and, like, if you had a wallet, like, in the center console. But there is... Just behind the rear seats, before the trunk, because they're not trunk, hatchback, whatever, I guess it's still a trunk, but there's a little space. It's almost like if you imagine like a little shelf tray that's sort of behind the seat. So if you wanted to put like, as I did, a loaf of bread back there, it holds a little loaf of bread. Or if you want to just put like- cookie. A large crumble cookie would also fit back there quite nicely. And it has a, it's not just a shelf, it has a little bit of a lip, so it's not going to like- slide off and fall down behind the seats it's like just a little shelf so you have little things you want to throw back there that you're like i don't i've got two people in this car i need to put this little tiny thing back there i don't have to go in the trunk or whatever you can do that and you also can reach really easy in the hatchback because i toss things back there and i was really surprised so in a moment of panic realizing i had to drive this car to the airport with my husband and me and our luggage and i thought oh my god <laughs> can i get that it, in the car it, it all fits it, <laughs> it fits. fits i know because so i was year. I was really surprised. So we had like a carry-on, like the typical rectangular carry-on stuffed to within an inch of its life. My more square-shaped carry-on, his backpack that he uses as a carry-on, and my like tote bag, <clears throat> excuse me, it all fit. And it wasn't like it was a game of like Tetris. Like we just boom, 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 just tossed it in there. It was fine. Honestly, we could have put more stuff in there. I was really surprised by just how much room there was in the back of this. Like yeah, that's in- last, last summer I had one. Um, the week before my wife and I went on a vacation, uh, and you know, when we were flying to California and I, you know, dropped it off at the airport on the way there mm-hmm. and same thing, you know, two, two standard size carry-ons, a couple of backpacks and, you know, sort of other detritus and it all, it's like, I'm, I'm guessing that when they designed this, they figured, okay, you know, this is a two seater. We want to make it good for a couple to take for a weekend road trip or, you know, or, or whatever, you know, so mm-hmm. it's got to f- at least fit this stuff that, that yes. people want for, you know, that two people are going to want for a getaway. Exactly. Like if you were fitting like great big bags in there for, you know, a week vacation, that's not going to work. Yeah. But if you're doing like a, you know, you're just doing a getaway, you've got carry on bags, you're doing, it handles that easily, which I thought was really cool because a lot of the times in cars is small, I do remember riding and God, I can't remember the car, but I had, I was with another journalist and we suddenly had to drive to the airport and weren't expected to do so. And I think they gave us a Jaguar or something, but we both had like rectangular, you know, roller bags. We couldn't get them in. So we had to like rode in the front seat with this in between your legs slash in your lap because you can't move your knees far enough apart to sit it on the floor <laughs> to the airport. I'm like, well, this is super <clears throat> comfortable. <laughs> so being able to fit two of those in the back is actually a big deal. So I like that about this, that it is a totally not practical car that still has a teeny little tiny bit of practical to it. Uh, just which enough practical. Just enough practical. Just enough. Just enough. Just a skosha practical. 
So I like the Z. I, it, it is not cheap eats though. It's pretty expensive. So all told, including an extra $1,295 for the paint that Robbie said that I can't say whatever that name was. Um, Cause that alone was 1295. The total cost on this is $53,655. So it's not an inexpensive little sports car. Yeah. But but that you know that is basically a, a loaded. Uh, yes, it's all the things. Yeah, it has everything. And I mean, you've got the upgraded paint. You've got, I mean, you've got it. You know, th this one is with the manual. You've got the big infotainment screen. I mean, there's nothing that you're going to want to add to this. I think this even they added illuminated kick plates on this. You've got like this has everything I think you can possibly get. And I mean, you've got a power driver seat. So you've got power seats. So it's not like you're sitting there like flipping, messing around with a latch or levers. So, I mean, it, it is very well equipped. It's so I don't think it's a bad deal. It's just not, it's not the cheapest car on the block, but I think for what it is, I like it. And it's funny because I hear people going either one way or the other on the Z. They seem to really like it or they think that Nissan, cause this was all new for 2023 and that's what I'm driving 2023. Or there's people that think like, oh, they totally missed the mark. Like I see a lot of, I feel like it's like, 90% there for some yeah. reason it just didn't it didn't excite me like the 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 GR86 or the GR Corolla like those cars like or, or even the Kona N for some why reason those, those why did you like those there's, better? Like, there's what just was something it? there there's something this more visceral about those vehicles driving I mean this vehicle okay. like you can break it off you can you can you can break loose the back end like nothing yeah the Z you're like you're like oh, you know what I want to I want to drift you're and you're <laughs> uh, I appreciate the manual transmission that they put in there. Um, it's just, I, there's just something, and, and you know, I, I, you know, my dad, you know, my first car was a was a Datsun, and my dad had a 260Z, and I drove that cross country. I used to drive that thing everywhere as a kid, so I feel like I should have like at least something that says, you know, I automatically love this vehicle, but I, it's just not. Ah, it I doesn't just, for you. It's just, it's just, there's just something, I don't know what, what it's, what it's, what it is. It's hard to put my finger on it. Um, and you know, it has 400 horsepower, like, oh, you know, the, the BRZ only has 288 or something, but for, or the GR, or, you know, or the GR86, whichever one you want to, you, you pick. Um, but for some reason, those, I drove that GR86 through Angeles Crest Highway and I was like, oh my you God. You loved this. it. It's and I drove the GR Corolla and I was like, oh my God, both of these are just like, for some reason, Toyota did something. That that Nissan just 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 missing. And if you know if you haven't driven those Toyotas, you're gonna love the Z. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's the problem. Is if you haven't driven those cars, you're gonna get in the Z and you're like, oh my god, it's got a man transmission, it's rear wheel drive, it's got a lot of power. You know, I can I can you know break the back end off. You know, free. You know, whenever I want. Uh, you know, it's it hark. You know, the design is is very much. You know, it's it's like a hodgepodge of all the 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 z's over the years and it has the world's largest uh gas cap uh door <laughs> does it <laughs> it's so big it's like when i went and got gas in it i was like wow this is a really big door <laughs> it just feels like it's so big compared to like the little hole you put gas in it's just because the way the body is like because of the way the design is like it just i think it just had to make a giant door <laughs> so it's just like giant thing and then you put your little, little gas, little gas pump in there. Um, if you buy a Z, I'm 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 happy for you. 
Um, I think you're going to love it. Um, if you drive it around, you automatically love it. That's awesome. Good for you. Um, I just, I, they're just for me again, this is for me. It just, there's, they feel like there's just something missing. Like I, I liked it. Like the more you, I had it, the more I liked it. And then the more I did, I was like, eh, eh. I don't, maybe it's the sitting position. I don't know. Maybe it is the the lack of like the maybe lack it doesn't of need, knee room that you don't. Maybe think it needs need, more. Maybe, maybe it needs more knee room. Maybe, maybe it does need room. more. Maybe it's something. I don't know. It's just it's just so close. And again, most people are going to be ecstatic if they buy this vehicle. They're going to go around. Yeah. They're going to be super happy. And I'm, I I want more people to buy the Z than anything else in the Nissan lineup because that tells Nissan, hey, we should make more manual transmission vehicles. And hey, for the next version, we should update this, you know, like the way Subaru and Toyota did with the um, the BRZ and the GR86, where they're like, hey, let's make this a little bit better without losing the character of the vehicle. Yeah. I, you know, I want Nissan to do that with the Z. I hope I want them- to, you know, because I feel like these small little cars like this, like sports cars like this are sort of a narrow percentage of the population that wants these oh, fun yeah, little sporty tiny, cars. Like, tiny it's a tiny little fragment. But it's a fragment like a segment of people who are just really passionate about driving. Yeah. It's you don't buy this car these are the, just yeah. yeah, you don't buy this just because you need a grocery getter. Like you might use it that way, but you're that's not and why you, can you fit buy your groceries it. in the back there. And you could you can. use this as a grocery yeah. getter. Uh easily well, you know what <laughs> all three the, the four all four of the sort of enthusiasts like not gonna break your you know the bank. This starts at forty thousand dollars. Yeah um well, maybe not the GR Corolla. That's not really. But like a Miata, you can put some groceries in a Miata. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like grocery, you can put you a groceries in, in a BRZ. You can put groceries in a Z. You can do all the things you need to do. Like I put eight foot long, like two by two pieces of wood um, in my BRZ. Now. I had to put the back seats down. I had to shove them in the front, and they came out the passenger window. But I was able to do it. So you can go to Home Depot in these vehicles. Yeah, yeah and, I, and that's the thing. You know, you, you all the about, life things. You, you talked about the the price, Nicole. You know, and that's yeah. you know, I think that that's the for the the Z Proto spec, which is um, you know limited edition. You know, that's the only one that's available in that yellow. Is it really? It just says yeah, Z performance on this one. I didn't realize it was the proto spec because it just uh, says performance. Yeah, I'm just looking at the uh, the um, the build and price, and you cannot get that yellow on this the regular Z performance. It's uh, only on the proto spec. Oh. Okay, it didn't say proto spec on there. Sorry about they, the guys. When didn't they showed that. the concept a couple of years ago, before they un- unveiled the production version, yeah, that was that yellow was the color they had on there. They gave me one of 240 units produced nationally yeah. as a press car. Yep. Yep. Boy, somebody could have driven oh, this that owned it. I think Far you can just well, get and, and eventually somebody one. will. Yeah, that's true. But, but um, yeah, the Z Sport you know starts at forty one thousand, um, which is more. Yeah, and you get the same engine. Uh, the you know going to the performance, uh, you know for fifty one thousand, you know you get you know slightly you get you go from eighteen to nineteen inch wheels. You get bigger brakes and you know, there's a few other upgrades, limited slip rear diff. But you know even the Z Sport is fantastic yeah and, that's the you one know, at, and at you know forty two thousand, you know with delivery that's you know that that's a i love this little car that's it was, it's actually a really good deal i even yeah. ended up behind um uh, this morning on the highway i was behind a little miata and i i love the miata but it was funny driving behind this little miata i was thinking I'm like this is actually a little bit more usable than Miata in terms of the little space mm-hmm. inside, like the trunk and stuff. And I think this is a nice little, I love the Miata, but I have to have a little bit, a little bit of room, just a little bit of like versatility with it. I'm like, this is it. This would be like, I'm like, I, between the two, like love the Miata. Did everyone send me hate mail? I love the Miata. But the Miata <laughs> has unlimited headroom. 
Yes. Unlimited. Yeah, it does. But only if you live in. If you live in. I mean, I can't own one because I can't sit in it when it doesn't have the unlimited headroom. See, yeah, you can't sit in it, but also you only have unlimited headroom up here about three months of the year. Then you're closed right back in. No, 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 no. You could you could drive it more than three months of the year there. I mean, it's it's forty. It gets forty degrees in in March. As long yeah, as long as it's a minimum of forty degrees, you you can drive it anytime. Yeah, that's what I do. What is who's who's Siri? Am I hearing? Am I? I'm sorry. I don't know why that turned on. I just hilarious. Like someone's Siri has been like, let me Google that for you. I never um, used Siri on this computer, and I forgot. I didn't even I realize thought it was, it was me. On. I'm like, what am I hearing? I'm hearing the little voice. No, I, it, it is. It, I like. I really like the Z. I like this when it first came out. It was up for the North American. Uh, I was going to say car truck utility. It's just one of those car of the year last year, and it got really close to to winning last year. And I was. I thought I had a. You know, it, it did well. It was well enough to like that it got that far through the process. And there's a lot of competition there, so that does speak to how well it was received overall. And I like the Z, and I love the blue. I don't know what it's called. I just want to drive a blue Z that's all blue inside have you, outside. Have you driven the GR86 or BRZ yet? I'm trying to think of. Look at he's like you haven't driven the ones I like, so don't say that yet. Um, no, I'm just curious if you have a. a I'm trying to honestly remember if, if I've driven like them, it. Robbie. I cannot remember. I think if you'd I've remember. Those. <laughs> there's like there's just some cars like the julia like when the first time i wrote i drove the julia i was like oh my gosh i'll never forget like we went to dinner that night with a, it was the world car of the year thing and mm-hmm. we drove all these cars and then we're sitting there at dinner we're sitting there at dinner and some finally one of the other journalists is like can we just talk about the julia for a second <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was beautiful the julius I, I that's the car i would buy i was gonna buy well, a car right now like six months i buy it for a good <laughs> i'd buy it right yeah I'd buy it and be ready to have a spare car in the back just in case, but I would buy it. Did you know you can support Wheel Bearings directly? Head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia and you can become a patron today. Your contributions will help fund the platforms and tools we use to bring the podcast to you. And exclusives and improvements are already on the way thanks to your generosity. So if you want to be part of an automotive podcast like no other, head to patreon.com slash wheelbearingsmedia. All right. Uh, well, um, anything else on the Z? No, that's about it on the Z. Buy it in the blue. Just buy it in the blue. Trust me, people. Blue. Blue All inside, right. blue outside. Did I do that? Yeah, that's a, it's a good combination. I like that. All right. Well, I had um, the 2023 Volkswagen Taos SEL 4Motion. Ooh. Um, so you know what? That's a, that's a Z competitor. <laughs> well, it does have four wheels. Um. And there is there is drive to the rear wheels sometimes. So totally so, a competitor. Yeah. And it's internal combustion. So yeah, it's a it's a perfect competitor. Practically the same car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's not. Because uh, <laughs> <laughs> like anyone's like, what? No, we're joking, people. <laughs> the, the the Taos is uh VW's entry level crossover that they launched last year. <laughs> that um you know it's based on um a vehicle that they've had in, uh, I think, in the Brazilian market or South American market for a couple of years before that, uh, and they brought it to North America, and um, yeah, it's it's actually it's quite nice, um, you know, especially at the you know the starting price twenty four thousand uh, dollars. It's it's a it's a pretty decent value, you know. It's good size, got lots of room in the both. Yeah, you know, it's a two row, uh, you know, compact. For the crossover. money, it's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. for for twenty four grand, it 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 is a pretty sweet deal. Um, the problem is the one I had was not twenty four thousand uh, dollars. 
Yeah, it was it was the top end trim level, uh, which is the SEL. So you can get it in an S, SE. Uh, I think even the even the SE, you know, which is twenty nine thousand, I think would be uh, would be a pretty reasonable deal. When you get up to the SEL, now you're kind of pushing, you know, the price point for this particular vehicle. Um, it's not bad. There's nothing nothing fundamentally wrong with it. You know, it's a one point five liter four cylinder turbo. With a seven-speed uh, VW DSG, their twin-clutch transmission, which you know I I've always thought you know VW's uh, DCTs are you know probably the best of the breed in the market. They've been doing them for a long time, um, and I mean we had one in our old uh, Jetta TDI Sport Wagon. We had the the DSG in there, and it, you know it was a, it was a good transmission, um, and so that's what you get in the in the Taos. Um, the uh you know I, I like the way it looks uh in fact i i actually prefer the design of the taos to the the tiguan which is just slightly larger i think the the proportions work a little bit better on the on the taos because the tiguan that we get in north america in other markets they sell they actually sell two versions of the tiguan there's a standard wheelbase and a longer wheelbase version and here we only get the longer wheelbase version and i've always thought that one the proportions looked a little off uh, on the the long wheelbase one. Looks um, wonky. Yeah, it does. <clears throat> so I actually like the way the Talos looks better than the Tiguan. Um, that my the the one that I had, I said was the SEL. You know, so it has all the options on there. It's got 19 inch wheels. It's got all season tires. Um, you know, it's got a full suite of driver assist systems in there. <clears throat> it's got uh, 10.25 inch. Um, digital instrument cluster, uh, similar size uh, center touchscreen uh, for the infotainment system. Uh, and, you know, the infotainment system works works reasonably well. The, um, the voice control has gotten better. It's still not as good as it should be, uh, but it's not, it's not as, it's not quite as useless. As, not quite as, it doesn't make you as stabby as it used to. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, the, the, um carplay and android auto work fine in there uh you know so you can always use that as well um you know it unlike uh the id4 you know which has you know all touch controls for everything you know there's a physical volume knob some physical controls for climate control on this thing so that's all good um the uh the se um you know has vw's what they're now calling cloud text seating which is their they're faux leather, um, and and I think VW's always done a good job with their their um, non-animal based uh, leather like seating surfaces. Um, you know that's what we had. They used to call it VTEX. That's what we had in our Jetta, and it was great. You know it, it felt nice. Uh, it was durable, easy to clean. Um, the SEL that I had actually has leather seating surfaces, uh, which I think are kind of probably unnecessary in this thing. Yeah. Um, and the um i think probably one of my probably my biggest complaint about the interior is there's this large plastic trim piece that spans the dashboard you know that goes from from door to door and it's gray and very shiny very glossy and it frankly looks really cheap it, it looks oh, it's right above the the infotainment screen. Yeah, well, it, and it's it kind of surrounds the infotainment screen. And it spans across to the all the way across the passenger side. 
yeah. Um, you know, and it just it just looks cheap. Yeah, you know, and if this was a twenty four thousand dollars house, I'd have no issue with it. Like, all right, fine. Um, you know, even but... even a, even a twenty eight twenty nine thousand for the SEL, I would probably be fine with it. But when you get to the price point that this one was at, it becomes a little bit more of a challenge to justify it. So yeah, mm-hmm. it, it surrounds the the infotainment screen. Like I said it goes door. Actually, there the the same material stretches into the the door panels as well and surrounds the door handles. I just picked up. I just managed to grab an image. I'm like, where is this? And I can see what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The design itself is fine. It's just I think that if they would just change that one that one piece that material take that that they don't even have to shiny, change gritty. it just buff it down yeah that's what i'm saying don't, just it just stop cha- putting change, shiny change the things. color and the finish on it it would be it would be much better because the rest of it is fine you know yeah um you know it's it's comfortable to drive you know ride quality is decent um you know the the sel i had had the panoramic moonroof in there um the seats are comfortable uh, you you know, for the rear seat, you know, at the back of the center console, there's uh, vents back there, so rear seat uh, passengers can can get comfortable as well. They can adjust the vents and and open and close them, so they're they're fine. Um, get a couple of USB C ports in the the front of the uh, the center console. There's a nice storage bin at the at the base of the center stack. Um, good size um, storage in the doors as well, so you can you know if you've got one of those big massive water bottles like my wife uses you know, <laughs> it'll it'll actually fit in there uh which is not the case in a lot of the cars we drive uh so you know she could fit that in there when we went to the lake on the uh, fourth of july um so you know it's it's a it's a really nice vehicle and i think if they just you know took a look at some of the interior materials made some adjustments there um you know so it didn't quite look so cheap then it it would be, I think it would be much better. It'd be much closer to justifying the price point, which on the, the one that I drove um, was all in $36,225. No, that's too much for the Taos. That's too much. Yeah. yeah. That's a little bit much. Buy the entry level Taos, get uh get a little bit of sandpaper, sand the shiny bit down. <laughs> That'll make it good. look so much better. I don't, I'm sure I don't understand why just what it needs. Automakers keep putting these really shiny things in there because they just, they pick up fingerprints they they blind you like I forget what car I was in and it, it was blinding me like when I was driving around like the sun hits it a certain way you're like oh gosh like stop it just stop stop putting shiny things in stop Don't, making that, everything look like all shiny and piano and that piano and... black piano that, black no stop yeah. it. Come on. I, I, I don't know who likes it. Somebody likes it. I don't think any auto auto journalists like it because yeah. we're always just like, ugh. <laughs> I I think you probably would actually want to go with the mid-level SE. Um, at twenty nine nine, twenty eight nine. So twenty, you know, with delivery, it's around thirty, going to be around thirty grand, because um, the base S model doesn't have App Connect, which is the smartphone integration, the the what CarPlay and Android Auto. You have to step up to the SE to get that. It just doesn't um, have. Oh come on. Yeah. Come on. So, um, but come you know, on. I think I think at that price point, I could, I would be fine with it. You know, but I think the SEL is you know probably a little bit a little bit much it's too much. And yeah. they should the, the CarPlay and Android Auto should just be standard on every vehicle. Uh, yeah, totally regardless agree. of the trim level, yeah. don't make people jump up to the SE just to get CarPlay. Yeah, yeah that's a stinker of a thing to do. That's a st- exactly that's a stinker of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> so you want to take a stab at the uh, delivery charge? Ooh, uh, eight ninety five. 
Oh, I was gonna say eight ninety five. I'll say eleven ninety five. You're gonna to... be right. Uh, he's closer. It's twelve ninety five. Ah, yeah. Of course. So I don't. I don't win five dollars from Nicole. So no. Yeah. Oh, damn it. <laughs> but but you do get uh, you do get uh, three years of twenty four hour roadside assistance and two oh, years nice. of free scheduled maintenance with the Taos. So that's cool. a good thing. Um, fuel economy was okay at twenty seven miles per gallon. Um, and this, like I said, this is you know all wheel drive. I think if you get the uh, the front wheel drive version, you know it's going to be you know a couple couple miles per gallon more than that. Uh, so you know it's a it's a nice vehicle. You know yeah. I think like you know go for go for that sweet spot right in the middle and and you'll be fine. And you'll be just yeah. peachy. Yeah, I drove the Taos to the launch program here in the Bay Area, and it was one of those crazy windy days where things like I couldn't even stand outside when you try to open the door, it just slams shut on you. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was nice, and it did really well, especially in the wind because you see a lot of cars just get like just decent you can tell you can see all the design flaws in the wind which i'll talk about next week with the car i'm driving right now <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know and i think you know my, my complaints about the the top trim level you know don't just apply to the Taos. it applies to a lot of the vehicles in like this price range and you know segment you know generally i would recommend in most cases just avoid the top trim level because that's where you know, that's where they're, you know, the automakers are maximizing their profit and you're not yeah. necessarily getting a whole lot more for your money. It's not yeah, you know, generally not a great, yeah. not a great value. At that point, you're, that, you're typically better off just buying like the next vehicle up in the market. Yeah. Yeah. Like exactly. The like the base trim of, unless it's, yeah. Unless it's the next vehicle up is like ginormous or something. Yeah. But you can get like a nicer vehicle with more standard equipment, with better mm-hmm. standard equipment instead of buying, you know. Yeah, a lower tier vehicle with all this, you know, all these options. I'll always aim for the, uh, you know, one of the mid trim levels because that's usually your best value option. So, value. all right. So that is the uh, 2023 Taos SEL four motion. Um, all righty. Let's uh, get into some of the stuff. So last week there was something I intended to put on the uh, the rundown that I completely forgot to put on there. Um, and I think Nicole, I believe that you actually got to drive the Buick and Vista, right? I did. Yes. And I haven't had a chance to watch this video, Sam. Uh, well, you, you would know what's in there because it's your video. Oh, it's mine. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't it's, one, click it's it. one of, it's one of the videos that you <laughs> I did. didn't want to click it while oh, okay, I was good. like listening is, to you guys. Cause I'm like, well, now I'll, now I won't be able to, oh, it is mine. This was the oh, exterior walk around. I actually do know what this is. Okay. Yeah. 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 So tell <laughs> us, tell us about the, the Invista. So um, the Invista is the latest, uh, the latest Buick, and it sits at the bottom of their lineup. So it's their most entry level vehicle, and it it's got kind of new styling. Like people keep saying, oh, it's just an Encore GX. The Encore GX looks a little bit more upright, a little bit boxier, a little bit more traditional SUV. This gets a little bit sleeker. I mean, it's not a sports car, guys, but it does have a little bit more of a coupe like sort of rear to it, the way the roof comes down. Um, but what's nice is it doesn't cut too much into headroom. Like you can still sit back there the way they've done it. It it looks like it's smaller in the back and in the cargo area than it actually is. It's actually pretty roomy. Um, the thing that everyone is complaining about here um, is the fact that um, they think that the engine is the most horrible, awful, very bad, no good engine that's ever been put in a car ever. It has the same what is wrong engine. with these people. <laughs> and it's the same thing. Have you, have you guys driven? Um, oh my gosh, the tracks. I haven't I'm driven, driven the tracks, tracks, but I've driven the Encore GX, which I believe ha- also has the same engine in it. 
I think I've driven the something with this engine. the same engine? For some reason, I didn't think it did. Um, I've driven I'm, something with this engine in it. You've driven something. This is so. Did you like this engine? I was fine with it. Okay. Yeah, especially so, for again for an an entry level, relatively affordable vehicle. I'm I'm fine with it. I I like I actually like these small three cylinder turbo engines. Yeah, the Encore GX or no the sorry the old Encore, um, not the is, is yeah this is yeah the GX Encore yeah GX? no the Encore okay. the Encore GX yeah. Has they have there's two versions of this engine is a 1.2 and a 1.3 liter, and I I've driven it with uh, I think with both. You've driven it with both, so that's the like the big gripe. And the funniest thing is is seeing people just sort of griping in general about it. I was kind of like, have have you driven it yet? <laughs> like, have you have you driven this car? Um, so I, I think it actually drives really nicely. Like I liked how this drove. I thought it was a great car. I, this isn't a sports car. It's not going to drive that way, but it's still, this engine is just fine. It's absolutely positively just fine. I didn't have an issue with it. And I like the styling. I like how the, how this looks. I think they did a slick job with it. I think that this little 1.2 liter turbo three cylinder, it's 136 horsepower, which freaks everyone out, but it's a nice car to drive. It's responsive enough. Where's everyone a, going in a hurry? And I don't understand. It's like, it's like, <laughs> It's perfectly fine. Um, it's paired to a six-speed automatic, and there's only front-wheel drive, drive, so you can't get it with all-wheel drive. Um, so if that's what you want, then you got to just jump up one level to the Encore GX. But it's intended to be like a new entry level, and it's sort of to show off that, I guess, where Buick hopes to be going, where they're heading towards. Um, and, you know, it's – I think it does what it's supposed to do very well, and I really liked it. It was funny because I even just talking to other members of the media, like, well, you know, this is – this, this isn't cool enough. This isn't fast enough. This isn't sporty enough. This isn't fast. You know, all these things. I mean, but it's really good. It has a 19. Yeah, but the like Taos, this. it's like essentially going up against the Taos and the Taos isn't sporty. Right. And no, and in no way, shape no. or form. It's not. And I think the interior on this is nicer. Like everyone's like, oh, well, it's not a luxury car. No, it's not a luxury car. This is the entry level vehicle. It's a 20, was it 24,000? It's, yeah, it's, it's like 24,000. Yeah. Yeah. It's a so, $24,000 car. Come on. So it's so it's cheaper like, than the Taos. Yes. And I think the inside, I think the inside of this is really nice. Like it has a, um, it has an eight inch instrument cluster and an 11 inch infotainment touchscreen. And it's all like in one panel. So it's like this one 19 inch panel that runs along the dashboard. It looks really nice and clean and neat. Um, it has wireless Apple CarPlay and Android auto standard. There's available wireless charging across the lineup. It does a good job. Like I like this. And on the whole lineup, no matter which, I think there's three trims altogether, all three of them come in at under $30,000. So unless you start piling on, but the base price on all three is under 30 grand. Even the Avenir, which is the sort of the, the premium sub-brand badge, I guess they would call it within the Buick lineup, the, even the Avenir, under $30,000. So it's it's a well-priced vehicle for what you get. And it's you're just, I feel like if you're, looking to just sort of level up and you want something a little bit nicer, like you, you, like you can't go full luxury, but you want to sort of step towards that. This is a great option. If you're someone who also, I don't need a giant SUV. I just want to be able to have a nice little crossover that has a little bit of extra room when I have more than usual to throw in the trunk. I want to actually be able to put those two large suitcases back there. Not like a Z that can only hold, you know, two carry on bags. This is going to do it. I think this is a good, I like this vehicle. I'm not sure what kind of, Reviews are going to come out on this, but um, I I like this. I do. Well, you know, I I think one of the most important things to note, you know, is that with 
like this is front wheel drive only. I think I don't think there's mm-hmm. an all wheel drive. It version. is no, no just um, front wheel drive. It it does have a as you mentioned a six speed automatic transmission. In all of the other applications where they use this three cylinder turbo with front wheel drive, the Encore GX, the Trailblazer, um, I, I don't know about the, the new tracks, um, but and certainly in the Encore GX and the Trailblazer, for front wheel drive versions, they have a CVT. Right. Which, so this, this is, is actually a big better. difference. Yeah. This 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 is this drives it. And honestly, I think the tracks drives okay. I think the tracks is fine for what it is. It gets noisy because of that CVT. This does not, this does not get noisy because it doesn't have a CVT. So this is genuinely I kept and I, drive impressions actually hadn't lifted on this. In fact, they don't until July eleventh. So Sam, don't don't post this just just uh, yet. I okay. think I, I thought does it. We'll double I check. I already saw people post. Maybe it did. Maybe I have the wrong date, but we'll double check. But either yeah. way, they um, people, you know, you know, I drove the tra- the tracks this garage. And like, you have have you driven this? Did you actually? Did you actually drive this one? If you didn't drive this one, then don't tell me it's a terrible it's a terrible experience yet. This is a different. Yeah. Having it paired to an automatic transmission instead of having it paired to a CVT makes a difference in how this drives. And people this, need to give it a chance. Like, you don't have to drive just, it. Just drive it. Like with any car, we always say, every, we always say this, all three of us, test drive just, the car, test drive the car, drive test the drive the car. the car. And this is, if ever there was a case for not letting just what the fanboys or anti-fanboys, I guess they would be, say, don't just look at the power on this and go, oh my God, a three-cylinder, I can't possibly drive that. Blah. Drive just it. Just drive the car. It's, it's this this is one of the things when i worked at wired as a tech reporter where we, we you know one of the things we we really went we sort of went to is that the specs don't matter if the vehicle if the thing doesn't deliver what it's supposed to do it can have mm-hmm. the best specs in the world but when you go to use it it doesn't do the thing it's supposed to do yeah. then what's the point you, you know it's like again it's like putting a ferrari engine in a in a in a geo metro that's what i used to say i'm like you can't it's still you know the car's not going to go in really that much faster <laughs> It's still going to topple over. It's going to do all these things. And sometimes, you you know, if you look at the specs, you're like, oh, this isn't going to be great. But then you use the product and you're like, oh, this is exactly what this should be doing. It doesn't need to be faster. It doesn't need, you know, all this extra RAM or all this extra whatever. And right. it's the same thing with cars. Like some cars, you're like, oh, well, you know, if, for some people, every car should should drive like a, um, you know, like like a Type R. And every car should have 400 horsepower. And every car should have a manual transmission. Every car, I'm like, no. You can't. Every car should drive like it's ready to hit the track. That's that's not what. That's not what every car is. That's why there's so many different cars out there because not every car is supposed to drive that way. Not every person wants a car that drives that way. So when you when you see someone saying like, "Oh, it's not enough power," okay, just take a step back and if everything about the car, like you're looking at it and thinking, the price appeals to me, the looks appeal to me, it has the right number of, you know, it has the right cargo amount for me, it looks like it has the right seating for me, it can handle the passengers. This looks like it can handle my everyday life, and I like this. Drive it, drive it, because if it if it if it checks all the boxes when you're reading about it and looking at it, get behind the wheel of it, because if you're reading. That's the thing with reviews, like everyone has a different point of view on things and you might get it and hate it. Like, I'm not saying everyone's going to love this, but give a car a chance and drive it for yourself because everybody comes into it with a different perspective. And if you're reading something from someone who is an enthusiast, if you're a performance enthusiast, you are going to hate this. That is not what this car is. This isn't the car you're going to buy. Don't go drive this. This is going to feel like a miserable, not fast enough, not powerful enough, not aggressive enough. That is a very specific case right there. So if you're interested in a Z, don't yes. even look at this. 
Yeah. If you're going for the Z, skip the segment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, skip but otherwise, this yeah, skip this if you're going for the Z. Um, if, and if, you, if you're not going for the, if you hated the Z, then you might like this. So it's just, I, I, there's so much hate for this engine. Like everyone is freaking out about this powertrain. Like constantly, I'm like, you guys, drive it. Settle down. Drive and, it. And they, it, I didn't hear those complaints with, with respect to the tracks. And the, the tracks right. has the exact same powertrain, including the six-speed. The tracks, the new tracks does not have the CVT. Okay. So, so you get the six speed and the same engine in the tracks. People weren't complaining about the tracks. No, Why would so they be then they must have done because I found the tracks to be louder in not good ways. Like you could hear yeah. more of the engine here. So, the, because it's Buick, they must have put because it's supposed yeah. to be more premium brand. You don't hear it. It sounds quieter. So it's, it's a different experience than driving that. Um, it's I I liked it. I liked it. Yeah. I feel like when the reviews come out, I'm cringing. I'm like, oh God, is everyone going to hate this? Because I genuinely like this. It's like the the first before I broke my my ankle, my left ankle uh, a long time ago. And so I couldn't drive our car. The only car we had at the time was the BRZ at that point. This is when we still lived in the city. So when I need to get around, sometimes I needed to go to meetings outside the city. Um, I would use like a car share program, like, you know, like Zipcar or something like that. And one day, the only car that was available was the Kia Soul. And I was like, oh, Kia Soul, fine. And I hadn't driven the Kia Soul. You know, it's like, it's just this underpowered box. Within five minutes, I loved that vehicle. Just fell in love with the Kia Soul because it's exactly what it needs to be. It's exactly what it needs. It, you know, it only has like 147 horsepower, 132 pound-feet of torque for the new one. So I was, buying, I was driving the old one, which had been in a, in a fleet. <laughs> so it, and I, yeah, I love the Kia Soul. Just, just unabashedly love that vehicle. It's, it's exactly what it needs to be in that segment. It's inexpensive. It has just enough power to get around town. You have all this room to put stuff in. It's quirky. Look, the only thing I liked about it was the way it looked before I actually got in. And then I drove it. I was like, this is this is exactly what this car needs to be. It doesn't right? need 400 horsepower. Doesn't have a man. You know, you can get you at the time. You can still get one with a manual transmission because my. Uh, cousin's mom has one he bought her one with a manual i was like oh my oh, god really? a, yeah <laughs> but yeah it's you know i think you you get in the car drive it and see whether or not you know you like it or not again if you're if you're the person who's like well i only drive m3s or z's or grds or yeah. you know or audis and yeah, maybe that's not the <laughs> yeah maybe this isn't the direction you should be going yeah but... <laughs> yeah all right so uh so if you need an, a, a stylish, relatively stylish entry-level crossover, give the Invisto a look. Give the Invisto a try. Yeah. Take it for a drive. All right. Uh, we have complained quite a bit over the years about <laughs> colors or absence of color on a lot of new cars. <laughs> and, and the fact that when you if you go to a, a car dealership, what you usually find is a lot of silver and black and gray and some white. Uh but um, if you, go, I think from now on, everybody should buy Fiats because there's not going to be any more gray Fiats. <laughs> no more gray Fiats. Yeah. It's funny because we owned a gray, we had, we released a gray, at least a gray Fiat because that's what Did they Did you had. really? Yeah. Did you lease that's, a gray Fiat just because it was the only color you could get? Pretty much. We, we were, uh, our, the WRX, our WR, the engine had exploded. <laughs> Oh, well, that doesn't <laughs> like a catastrophic explosion and we needed one right away we didn't have a lot of money i was the only person working my wife was in school we live in san francisco you know 130 dollars a month lease boom you get the gray fiat <laughs> done so 
yeah um fiat has they they put together a fun little video um featuring uh um see uh olivier francois the uh, ceo of fiat uh where they take the new fiat 600 uh which is looks like it's kind of a it's kind of a replacement for the 500x um you know slightly larger um crossover than the 500 and you know it's i think it's gray to start with and they dip it into a giant tank of orange paint with a crane and comes out and he declares yep no more no more gray fiats so i think that that is that is very good news from from fiat and uh hopefully we will see other brands follow fiat's lead on this one i think it'd be Yay. nice i like cars that are fun colors I don't care what you're driving. I mean, only some cars colors. can pull off like, you know, what's like the, the the purples and the greens that are like on cars like the Mustang and the Challenger. But give us fun colors on cars. Absolutely. Definitely need more color. I want All more right. color. Um, then um, next up, uh, VW recently, I think both of you got a chance to look at the new uh, ID Buzz in California mm-hmm. that's coming to the U.S., and we're getting a version, a longer version with three rows uh, of seats. But um, there's already some two-row ID buzzes in Austin, Texas. They they just landed there recently. And uh, VW is testing them. These are their automated ID buzzes. Um, so prior to the, uh, the meltdown of Argo AI last fall, um, Argo was working uh, on two fronts with Ford. Uh, with um, automated driving escapes. And in Europe, they had their system, their automated driving system on the ID Buzz with Volkswagen, where they were going to deploy those as robo-taxis. Well, obviously, their VW is no longer working with Argo. Um, mm-hmm. They've now switched their allegiance to using the Mobileye system. And the first batch of 10 um, Mobileye-equipped ID Buzzes are now driving around in Austin, Texas. So I think next time we go to Austin, um, Nicole, we're going we're gonna to have to see if we can As get a ride. Say, in one we of need these. to get another ride. We absolutely need to find a way to get a ride on one of these. Yeah, it'd be uh, so much easier getting it out of these two. Oh, absolutely, much easier than getting in, in and out of the back of a, a Bolt. Yeah, we we uh, when I was in Korea, the they had uh, carnivals. <laughs> They had the carnival um, as a as a taxi, and it was awesome. As a taxi, yeah, this that is so much work. easier. You get in, you get out. It's easy peasy as opposed to a regular car. Nice vans, man. Vans are the future. They, they, <laughs> they are. They're the best form factor. They are the um, best form factor. So yeah, VW. Um, you know, they uh, they're using a mobilized system on there now with Luminar lidar, um, and they said you know they are targeting launching commercial services with these vans uh, by 2026. Uh, and they, uh, VW said they have no plans to operate their own ride hailing service like Cruise and Waymo are doing. Um, they will lease these or sell these to uh, fleet operators that want to run ride hailing, ride hailing services with them. Um, so, you know, if you want to get in that business, uh, give VW a call and, you know, a couple of years from now, they should have something for you. Hopefully. That'd be cool. Yeah. That'd be a side hustle. We should do that, Sam. Uh, yeah. Uh, you got, <laughs> you got a pile of money to set on fire. Sure. Sure. I got money to set on fire right over here. Let me grab that. <laughs> uh, all right. We have talked repeatedly. We, and we've had show titles where we have 
said, we have extolled the virtues of the Ford Maverick, particularly the Ford Maverick XL with the hybrid, the standard hybrid powertrain and how, what a wonderful bargain it is. You know, when it came out, it started at $20,000. That's how much my next door neighbors paid for their Maverick XL hybrid, 20 grand. Well, 2024 model year is coming up and you can't get a Maverick XL hybrid for 20 grand anymore. Womp, womp. Womp, In fact, womp. it's now going to cost you a minimum of $26,495. So that's a $6,500 increase in two that's years. For a, a $20,000 car. That's for a car to start at $20,000. It's such a huge... And I understand like, oh, we didn't realize people would want this car. They would want a hybrid powertrain. I'm like, what were you doing? Who's over there? Who's doing like research <laughs> at Ford? <laughs> Get it yeah. together, people. It's yeah. sad because I think so many people, that's a large part. I mean, it's there's a lot of reasons to recommend it, but that was a large part of it was that. It was an amazing really, value. That amazing price point. You're like, well, now it's not so amazing. Well, like all these people are ordering it, so we're just gonna we're just gonna more. jack up the price and cost so, of things and blah blah blah. So the order books for the model, the twenty twenty three model year, are have been closed for a while. Um, and you, if you manage to find one on a dealer lot somewhere, which is extremely unlikely, yeah, you can still get a you know at least sticker price. You know, starting I think about twenty two thousand for the twenty twenty three Maverick XL hybrid, but for model year 24 the base the the standard engine across all the mavericks is um the two the two liter turbo the two liter eco boost with like 250 horsepower and that is going to start at 24,995 and the hybrid on any trim level is going to be an additional $1,500. So it's no longer standard. It's $1,500 extra. So you're looking at 26 and a half now to get a base XL hybrid. Base XL hybrid. And boo. Yeah, boo, yeah. basically. <laughs> I mean, at least they include, cruise, they include cruise control now. So I don't care about cruise control. <laughs> I don't need cruise control. I think, I, I think I've talked about how much I don't use cruise control unless I don't it's adaptive. I use cruise control all. I never use it. I I've thought never, I was the only yeah. person who never used no, it. I was like, I oh, never cruise used, control is great. And I'm like, I remember I my, never use it. When I got my Honda Civic in the like 1991, my 90 Honda Civic, I had cruise control and I used it exactly once. I never <laughs> the used The entire it. time I, I don't use cruise control. I use adaptive cruise control on, you know, when I'm reviewing cars. and But yeah. we have cruise control. We don't have adaptive. We have regular cruise control on our Kona. Never use it. Never. No. It's like, what's the point? <laughs> I, I guess I just, if I was in the middle of nowhere and there's no other cars around, I guess I could use it, but that's never happening. I feel like whenever I have cruise control, I'm forever futzing around with it. Like, oh, I need to go faster uh, than I uh, set it for. Or yeah. I need yeah, to go well, that's than the thing what with, I set it for. With, with traditional cruise control systems, you know, because it just holds the car at one speed, you know. And, you know, if you're doing a, a long trip on an empty highway, yeah, it's fine. But, you know, adaptive cruise is so much better. But yeah. uh, appar apparently, you know, something like 80% of the demand for the Maverick was for the hybrid and Ford apparently the, just can't build that many hybrid powertrains. And so um, it's, they can build 1 billion F one fifties. They can figure out a way. <laughs> <laughs> come guess. on, come on. If you can build a thousand F series uh, trucks a minute, you, you can figure out a way. It's yeah. just like, Oh, so many people want this. Let's charge more for it. 
Yeah, I don't know. I, I, there's got to be. I mean, there's basic economics. Like, yeah, yeah I know. I feel Let's like it's just going to cut. I don't know. Is it going to get people to go to the non-hybrid one? Are they somehow sitting on a million of them with a gas engine? Just and they're like, let's bump. I, let's get rid of some probably. of these. Well, <laughs> you got to you got to push the hybrid one. You got to push the yeah. EcoBoost. No one's buying the EcoBoost. That was the that forty miles per gallon for a fun little for a little truck that you could just do things with. It's yeah. Awesome. It was awesome. That's that's a shame, but it makes uh, sad day in Cardam. So, so basically, now you know Ford is taking the markup that dealers were charging. <laughs> oh snap! Yeah, kind oh. of. Yeah, I mean, dealers, dealers were charging market a markup up. on these things, and you know, so with a sixty-five hundred dollar price increase in two years, Ford is taking that markup away from the dealers and just what said, percentage is that? Sixty-five hundred in two years. Gosh, that's a lot. That's over thirty percent. Wow! Oh my God. I mean, when you said like in two years, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah that's that's a shame. Uh, <sighs> I'll be curious to see how this affects Maverick sales and uh, Hyundai Santa Cruz sales. You know, we'll, oh. we'll see more oh, people right, say, because now, now right. I'm going to go for a Santa Cruz instead because, you know, if it's going to cost me the same, you know, might as well get the other one. Right? That's a good so time they- for Toyota to put out a small truck with a hybrid powertrain. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Undercut. Dun, dun. Twenty because like, they can make hybrids take, take like there's the no tomorrow. and put a, a pickup bed on the back. Yeah, just throw a pickup bed on the back. <laughs> Literally, just take one of those things, throw a pickup bed in the back with a hybrid powertrain. Curl Boom. across pickup. Yeah. Curl across yeah. up. Curl, I don't know what would you call that one. <laughs> the stout. Uh, the, what was scout? You said the sc- stout. Stout. S T O U T. Yeah, that would work. See, that could uh, work. That's uh, a bummer. Either way, it's kind of sad that we don't have the Maverick. Can, I mean, it's can, still a great option. It's we can just, no longer unequivocally recommend the Maverick XL yeah. Hybrid. Because the price I mean, it, the price was a large part. I mean, there's a lot to recommend about that. Vehicle. The price was definitely a huge part of it. So having the price go up definitely makes it less of an easy, like, it's no longer a no-brainer. There is There are, like you said, there's competition now. A th- over 30% markup. In that's two huge. years, yeah, thirty thirty percent. That's insane. Well, mm-hmm. well, maybe maybe the 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 best option now is instead of either the Maverick or the uh, Santa Cruz, just wait for Stellantis to finally bring the Rampage that we talked about before. Rampage. Yeah, there that, you go. That's that's a styling truck. That's a good looking little truck, yeah. and it's about the same size. It and it, you know, it's. I'm really angry, but kind of happy, but mostly angry about the. You know, it, people are starting to pick up on key trucks. You know, they're importing them over from Japan. Mm-hmm. And and Korea, like those tiny little trucks, the little key cars, but you can get a truck or a little van. And that's become a a thing that like regular people and you've seen in regular newspapers. I'm like, no, the prices are going to go up, (laughs) which just shows that people like people with like are using these as actual work trucks because like I don't need another F-150 for my for my farm. I just need something to like haul some, you know, some grain around or haul this other Mm -hmm. thing or get from point A to point B with like a couple things of, of, of hay or straw and I don't, you know, I need something small and, and quick. And yeah, you can, so now, I mean, there's clearly a market for these small trucks. And then Ford's like, oh, we're just going to charge them more. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel like no. they could have held out. But now, you know, they're going to they're be able to make the hybrids, but they're, it's not like the price is going to come back down. No, oh, they're de- no, they're never come down. My gosh, yeah. that's madness uh, right ne- there. Never, madness. Never, what madness. ultimate universe are you living in? <laughs> anyway, we look forward to a, to a, a, a Toyota Stout hybrid. Or a, a rampage. <laughs> All right, let's move on. Either of you, either of you know Peter Horbury? I never met Peter Horbury. I do not. Oh, 
very nice guy, very sweet guy. Uh, unfortunately, Peter uh, died uh, this past week. Um, he was uh, in China in business. Peter, Peter came to somewhat came to fame in the '90s as the head of design at uh, Volvo, um, and he was the one responsible for taking Volvo design. You know, up until Peter took over design at Volvo, um, you know, Volvo's had the reputation of um, looking like the box that they were shipped in. Um, (laughs) (laughs) that's a good description yeah (laughs) and uh so peter was the one who finally brought some some design flair to the volvo brand um and it's been going ever since um and he he led volvo design for quite a long time uh and then eventually um you know as at that time uh ford already owned volvo i think they bought volvo car in 19 early 90s early 90s Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, so eventually, uh, he moved over to Ford, um, became, um, head of exterior design for Ford globally. Um, and I think he, he reported to, uh, to Maury Callum, um, or actually to, uh, to Jay Mays. Um, and then after, um, after Ford sold off Volvo to Geely in China, um, he he went back to Volvo, um, stayed stayed with Vol- stayed with the Volvo brand, and led their their modern design. So the what we see, what we think of as Volvo design today, with the Thor's hammer lights and everything, Peter Horbury was in charge of that, um, and then you know eventually moved up to become head of design for I think across the entire Geely Group. Um, and, uh, most recently he's been executive vice president of design for Lotus, which, um, in the last couple of years also came under the Geely umbrella. And, uh, sadly at the age of 72, uh, this past week, um, Peter, Peter died. I, I met him on quite a few occasions, had some interesting Mm -hmm. conversations with him. Really nice guy. Everybody I've ever talked to that ever worked with him had nothing but, but nice things to say about him. Uh, always really interesting to talk to and, uh, um, it's sad that, uh, I won't get to see him again. The last time I saw him was, I think in 2019 before the pandemic, uh, I think we were on a, a flight back to Detroit from the LA auto show, I think. And I was chatting with him for a while. So, um, he, uh, yeah, he's, he's gone. Um, uh, but hopefully, you know, he imparted some of his wisdom onto the rest of the design team at, uh, uh, across the various Geely brands. Um, and, uh, we'll see them continue to do good things in the future. All right. Um, we've been talking seemingly continuously over the last month or so <laughs> about the North American charging standard. Uh, the latest <laughs> brand to jump on the bandwagon this week, Mercedes-Benz. Dun, dun, dun. Chips keep so, falling. So, so who, what are we up to now? What, what's the list, Sam? So, uh, Ford. So Ford GM, uh, Rivian, uh, Volvo and Polestar. Mercedes-Benz. Uh, so Mercedes is the first of the German automakers to do it. Okay. Um, and uh, along with, you know, the usual announcement of starting in 24, you know, Mercedes cars will right. have support for superchargers um, with an adapter. And starting from 25, they'll switch over to installing the NACS connector. Um, but back at CES this year, Mercedes also announced that they were going to build out a charging network of their own. Um, over starting later this year, 
Um, so there'll be a Mercedes Benz fast charging network. So is that uh, just going to use the NACS connectors? Then? Um, it will start off using, well, uh, it will start off, uh, at least with CCS. I reached out to Mercedes Benz. They said that their chargers will have NACS connectors on them, but they, they couldn't say yet whether that will be from launch early. Like the first ones will be going online in the fourth quarter of this year. Um, they, they couldn't say whether they will all uh have it from the first uh from the first the day they open up or if they'll be retrofitting but um at some point between the end of this year and you know the next 18 months they will have nacs connectors on their chargers as well um so uh they they will be adopting nacs uh across the board over the next couple of years and again i think the rest of the industry is going to be following over the next several mm-hmm. months I think oh. it's, just, yeah. it's just a matter of time. It's a matter of everyone Hyundai's, figuring out how quickly they can do it. Yeah, Hyundai's yeah. apparently talking to them. I think the the, bit, the longest holdout might be Volkswagen, even though you know Electrify America said they would have those charging. Uh, they would have uh, they would support NACS, which doesn't mean the Electrify America is going to be better. That's the thing. Is yeah. like NACS doesn't automatically <laughs> Replace, fix everything. Replacing the connector <laughs> does not fix all their other issues. Yeah, <laughs> no, it does not. It just means you go to the to the you know, and now you're opening up you know. Tesla has to, is now opening itself up to having the same sort of issues where they have to support all these vehicles. So, yeah, we'll see how it works. I mean, when I tested it again, it's this is this is sort of anecdotal evidence because it was just me doing it once with the BMW with the uh, the iX, with where I had to drive like two and a half hours to <laughs> try out <laughs> with the super dock. Um, but uh, yeah, it worked fine. But we'll we'll see what happens once they have to support every single car on the well, Tesla on the supercharger network. Yeah, we we already know that they have issues with uh, vehicles with eight or nine hundred volt electrical systems that they don't charge at full speed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, because the current superchargers, you know, are four hundred volt systems, um, and so they they only charge like I think. Hyundai, Kia, Genesis vehicles will only charge at like 40 kilowatts, uh, which is not great. Um, and I think, you know, lucids are, are not much different. Mm-hmm. So there, you know, there, there's some things that they have to address there, but the, the next, the new fourth generation superchargers, which they're supposed to start rolling out this year, I think they've already installed some in Europe. Um, those um, will run at higher voltages. And so those should work fine. Um, but one of the things you know I've seen a fair bit of over the last couple of weeks is you know some some consternation that you know about you know giving Tesla and Musk too much control over the charging infrastructure. I know you know Tim Stevens has written some stuff, and there was something in uh, Jalopnik the other day. Um, you know, and, and I I understand that. You know, I mean, I I'm not a fan of Elon, uh, mm. but you know, there's I, I think. The industry is doing the right thing. And I think, you know, ultimately, you know, they will not, Tesla will not have a monopoly on EV charging. You know, yeah, think- they don't, they don't, yeah, it's, it's a port. I mean, you can just charge your car at Tesla, which by the way, more expensive than the regular charge yes. than like EA and everywhere else. So they're going to end up being like the, the, the premium. It's still electricity. It's not like you're going to get gas where some gas is kind of trashy. And so it's electricity. Yeah. Electrons <laughs> so- are electrons. Yeah, it was like it was like a like ten cents more per kilowatt when I charged at the uh, yeah the uh, Tesla charger versus the Electrify America. And again, when I did that when I did that drive, both of them worked fine with the the iX. 
So it's not, yeah, I mean, it's going to be great if you're going across country because you know there's this really nice, dense Tesla network. But at the same time, when you're around town, if for whatever reason you need to charge, you're going to, you're probably going to pay more for a Tesla charger than you are for an EA or a charge point or something else. So it's, it's just, it just, you know, it helps, it makes the, the infrastructure, you know, it's a denser infrastructure things because of that. But it doesn't, you know, you're not, you're not, it's, and they're not good at the goodness of their heart. And, uh, and again, it's, it's really a port. Yeah. So the the rest, you know, EA and EVgo and ChargePoint, they all need to to step up their game. And I I wrote an article, you know, about this, you know, defending, you know, why I think that this is a good move, and you know that it's smart for the the other automakers, even though you know they're going to a competitor, they're they're doing the right thing, you know, and also outlining some of these risks that you mentioned, um, you know, the costs, you know, the the support challenges that Tesla is going to face. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still think that this is a, the right move. Because at the end of the day, it's not whether or not I like Elon Musk or don't like. And again, uh, I'm going to tell you just flat out, uh, talking to current and former uh, Tesla engineers, all the good ideas that come out of Tesla don't come from Elon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like the charging network wasn't his idea. The the Like having the route charging, that wasn't his idea. That was just one of the engineers. The, all yeah. the good ideas are not. Hits. He just takes credit for all the good ideas. Yeah, he just but, sort of but takes... isn't the thing though, if you have a company, you can't come up with every idea. Like you're gonna, like you surround. Yeah, but he comes up with all the work. bad ideas. That's the problem. Sure yeah. He's had a good one or two in there, but I mean, you surround yourself with people who have. He's very ideas. good. He was. That was the thing is he's very good at getting people very excited about what the thing is. Yeah, and so. that's not bad if they come up with yeah. great ideas because of that. Then I it's just, a win-win. But I think the the sort of the the lionization of him is sort of like the same thing as the lionization of Steve Jobs, where like, oh, Steve Jobs, nope, Steve Jobs didn't come up with all the ideas. He just got people to do the ideas. So maybe yeah. it's better to say, even if it wasn't their individual idea, their their enthusiasm and push for the people they work with encourage people to come up with ideas that they were able to bring to fruition. Yeah, and you know that that's the you know that's the key to to management is getting the right people, mm-hmm. you know, in the right positions and then empowering them to do their jobs. And, you know, don't, don't micromanage. Them. Yeah. Yes. Don't do, you hire, hire good people and let them do their job. That's, yeah. that's, yeah. that's, that's what, that's what Steve jobs was really good at. You know, he, was really he, didn't, good at he didn't care about operations, but he hired Tim Cook and other operations people and let them do their, do what they do best. And look what I wrote yeah. that article that yeah. Elon Musk needs a Tim Cook. Yep. He needs someone because he needs to stop micromanaging that shit because he keeps fucking it up. <laughs> <laughs> Every time he goes in there, like, <sighs> you know, the Tesla's running like a well-oiled machine while he's over there fighting with Twitter. Yeah. Because the, the right people are doing the right job. Just let them do it. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's answer a few listener questions. Um, so first up uh, from Michael Burns, this actually was on posted on Mastodon. Um, and, uh, I sent this over to Nicole earlier this morning because yeah, I actually have to say, I was like sitting there drinking my morning coffee and it was early. I got home late last night. I'm like, what is Party. he asking me? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I had, I had posted, you know, a link to my story on the, the Wrangler first drive last week and, and posted the picture showing the instrument cluster, you know, the, being in the Wrangler at a 30 degree tilt to the left and showing the instrument cluster with the, the, the gauges in there show your pitch and roll angle on the vehicle. And so Michael asked, you know, is that a new feature in the 24 Jeep Wrangler, uh, the inclusion of the off-road app readings in the instrument cluster? And I didn't think it was. Uh, I thought it was there before, but Nicole? 
Yes, I, I confirmed. I was going to run out to the car, and my husband said, "No, it is there. I can tell you that." So yeah, you already have it in the your husband cluster. Doing? He knew it. Um, so he he was. You guys to have confirm. what a twenty two Wrangler? He has a. T- what what model year did it come out? Was it twenty two? The first model year? I, I think uh, so. With the with the four. That by sounds eight. right. Okay, yeah. I have the first model, so I want to say twenty two. Um, so it is there. The the part that's new is that, and I'm going to forget the trail. Oh, what's the trail? Something the app. I just forgot the name. Oh, of the, the app, yeah, the uh, the trail guide. The trail guide. That all yeah. of that stuff is not in the. That's new for twenty four. Right. But this stuff was already there, and yes, you could already see it in the instrument cluster. And there, there's a bunch of other vehicles that have something. I mean, you know, you can get that in F-150s and Super Duties and I think Ram trucks and things like that. You know, there's a yeah. lot of vehicles that are off-roadable that have that kind of capability in there. Yes. All right. Um, next up, uh, by email from Jagalure. Um, I have a question. I read your article. Um, this is something I wrote uh, in Forbes. Um, but uh, one thing's not clear. You wrote the Toyota dealers will have the 2024 Prius Prime in May. Do you mean May 2024? Um, do dealers allow you to buy a car before it comes out? So the the model year 2024 Prius Prime is available now. Um, it is well, it's it's available. You can order it. You may be able to find one in a dealer. I don't know how many how much inventory <laughs> dealers have. Uh, probably not much. But um, you know, I looked at the the sale the the June sales numbers came out earlier this week, and uh, according to Toyota, they've sold two thousand six hundred and sixty six primes so far this year, uh, and I think about five hundred of them uh, or so in May or sorry in June. So um, the the they're 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 arriving. Um, you may have to look around, um, but uh, you uh, they they are available to buy now if you can find one or order one. Yeah, it's weird how early things are out. Like you know, we're we're we drive twenty fours, and it's like it's January twenty three. It's very screwy, and I honestly think it confuses yeah. everybody. The, 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 <laughs> or when the you're like you're like oh you you can't we're you can drive this car. Like, but I've seen this car on the road, but you can't talk about it for like three weeks. Like, That's the weirder one, right? Yeah, like down the street. Yes, they've made. I can go to a my, dealer and buy one. Right, yeah. I could just go to a dealer and test drive this and talk about it, but I can't talk about it because I drove it on your program. Okay, okay. <laughs> like the Super Duties, you know, the new Super Duties. They were in dealers for a couple of weeks before uh, before we got a chance to drive them. So, mm-hmm. it's weird. All right, uh, Lawrence in the desert asked uh and i'm i'm presuming this is not te asking this question uh because he's been dead for a while uh love the show uh, i'm a car <laughs> junkie and enjoy your content and format i recently saw a faraday future vehicle in bakersfield and was intrigued i wasn't sure what it was at the time the hood emblem looks like the pole star um i just saw another one and got a picture of it and used google lens to identify it needless to say i was shocked to see the price Three hundred thousand dollars. That's a bargain. What market is this for? <laughs> Interesting to interested to hear your thoughts and if there is a real market for it. It's um, for people with very very deep pockets who just have want to throw money out there on a toy. Well, and you know the the reality is that I don't 
think that it really matters if there's a market for it because I don't think that Faraday is ever actually going to get these in any kind of serious they, be positive, Sam. My, my greatest positive is that they will never produce these. <laughs> my my, my greatest moment as a as an automotive journalist is when they Faraday invited us to their headquarters when it was in uh, either Hawthorne or Torrance in, in Southern Hawthorne. California. And we walked around and they were showing us everything they were doing for this car. And they kept saying, yeah, we're building this ourselves. We're, we're building this ourselves. We're like, instead of using suppliers. Mm-hmm. And by the end, I'd like, I, I'm like, this car is going to be $300,000 by the time they're done. And ding, ding, lo and behold, <laughs> like five years later, <laughs> I have $300,000. So it's $300,000, not because it's worth $300,000. It's $300,000 because they decided they're going to make everything themselves. And is, and this this company has burned through so much money over the last eight years, you know, at least, uh, you know, three, four, maybe five billion dollars. Um, and I was I was at the uh, press conference they did at CES in 2017, oh yeah, where they, where they unveiled the FF91. This was a two-hour-long show. Oh my god! It was, it was so long, and then the car—you only saw the car for like a few moments because it drove off into the dis- into the into the outside world. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and and this is the same car that you saw now, the FF91. Uh, and at that time, I think they were targeting a price point of somewhere around one hundred and fifty, hundred sixty thousand dollars. Oh yeah, and it was going to be—and this was in January of twenty seventeen. It was going to be in production by the end of twenty eighteen. Uh, it's, it's now uh, July 2023? of 2023. Yeah, yeah. It's still not in production. They have been on the verge of bankruptcy multiple times in that interim period. And somehow they, they still managed to keep finding suckers to put more money into someone this. just keeps they just keep giving the money keep i don't understand it up. I don't know. is there like some I'm sugar daddy confused. who just really really wants it to work i don't i feel I like don't it's know. like a tax write-off it's a, some sort of it it's like be. lordstown it's some sort of weird boondoggle where someone makes money by losing i love money. that word it's like boondoggle. it's like celebrities like celebrity like in 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 uh and the uh, you know Southern California celebrities will open up these restaurants like oh here's it it's a tax write off those restaurants are built to fail they're mm-hmm. only going to be around for six months to a year and they all fail all every one of them but they're like oh I lo- I made a loss on this thing so it's ta- it's a tax thing yeah yeah that's that's probably it because you know this thing will almost certainly never make it to production uh, or at least They'll make one. That drives yeah. around Bakersfield for some odd reason. How yeah. many Lordstowns did they make? Thirty-one. Was it thirty-one? That's yeah. the oh my gosh. Yeah, Lord. thirty-one Lordstown endurance trucks. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I don't expect anybody will ever spend three hundred thousand dollars on one of these because it's just never going to happen. Um, anyway, uh, Lawrence goes on. Uh, he says also there's a Vinfast dealer in Bakersfield. They do seem to have vehicles, but reviews will hopefully keep them off the roads. <laughs> <laughs> There's like three or four of them now in my area. I see oh, them. Yeah? They're different colors. That's how I know they're not the same car. Yeah, I was seeing them around them. here for, and again, for a while. They, they gave us one car to review, but the better cars were on the boat that showed up that day. And I'm just like, why did you give us these cars that no one can buy anymore to review? And the better cars have just arrived. What is happening? <laughs> Why did you give us these cars when the better cars are here? Just wait a month and have us drive the better cars. Uh, Anyway, (laughs) I commute over to Hatchapi daily and wondered what EV or hybrid you would recommend. 
I currently have a 2020 Civic SI and love the manual. I'm getting 40 miles per gallon average, and I'm I'm not sure going EV or hybrid would save that much. Keep up the good work. I'll be listening on my commute, Lawrence in the desert. So, right, so frankly, I, first of all, I'm I'm shocked that uh, Lawrence is getting 40 miles per gallon in a 2020 Civic. Um, that that seems on the high side, unless he's driving wow. down downhill both ways. But I mean, that uh, you, it's downhill you're, you're one way, but hyper-miler. it's a, it, that that road from Bakersfield up to Tatchby. I grew up in Tatchby, by the way. Um, from Bakersfield to Tatchby, it's you know you're you're battling. Uh, yeah, Wait, big you don't, how do you say the name of this town? Tatchby. Tatchby. There's a. It's very windy. Um, so if you're getting forty, that's. I mean, well, if you've probably come from like Mojave or Roseman, the road from the desert to Tatchby isn't that bad. But the but the grade from Bakersfield to Tatchby can be pretty. But you know, people were flying up that road. Yeah. Um. I don't, you know, I don't know where if it was Lancaster or Mojave or Roseman. So would you do? Yeah. Would you switch to EV? I'm getting for it, and I'm not sure. Um, can he charge at home if he lives in a house? If he has a house, he can charge at home. Then you know something with at least two fifty would be probably fine. Um, you know, it's forty miles bigger for you, another twenty to sixty. It's one hundred twenty miles, so you should be able to. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. Um, if he's down like in Lancaster, that's then add like another 20, 40 miles every each, you know, to his thing. So maybe a, a PHEV might be better. I mean, this is the, the sort of that edge case where someone who's driving not just a long distance, but also up a very steep hill. Uh, it's not, I mean, it's 4,000 foot elevation of Tatchby. I've got a lot of information about Tatchby, apparently. <laughs> As I you grew up somewhere. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I've driven EVs up to Tatchby and haven't had any issues going up those going up that hill. I mean, it's an EV. It's got torque. Whee! And, and going going back, you're going, you know, going downhill. So you're going to. Yeah, you're going downhill. You're just, you're just regening like a, like a crazy person. Um, yeah. So any, like, really anything he, he uses going from. Either Mojave or Baker's or Mojave or Rosemond or wherever he's out in the desert, um, he's gonna he's gonna gain all of that back, essentially from Keene all the way down to like uh, to to uh, to Weed Patch. So he's gonna be yeah he's gonna be sitting for yeah I think it should be fine. Um, if you're driving a Civic Si, I don't know. I think you could just keep driving your Civic Si. It's only twenty twenty Civic Si is doing okay uh, unless it's. For some I mean, you're going to save on gas. Way. I mean, you're you're still probably going to save on gas, um, just because going up that hill still will get you. Um, but yeah, just keep driving your Civic Si. He's got yeah. a manual. Yeah, I think you're fine for for now. It's it, it's a fun car. It's also it's got a manual, and it's also you know you're getting really good gas mileage. So I think you're you're, you're golden for for now. Um, or you know, I mean, a hybrid you know wouldn't be a, a terrible choice as well. Um, especially, you know, you might want to take a look at the, uh, the new Prius, you know, mm. I mean, the, oh, you know, this, new it's Prius. pretty, you know, pretty stylish. Um, it's got actually similar amount of power to what's in the civic. You're about, about 200 horsepower in the, in the new Prius. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's the price point. Uh, you know, especially if you go with the hybrid as opposed to the, the prime, you know, that's going to be, you know, in the, well, I mean, averaging you know probably close to 50 or more um you know between going uphill and going downhill um you know you're going to get a lot of regen on the on the downhill side and the you know the price point is going to be pretty similar to the civic so that that is something you might want to take a look at but you won't get the manual i'm saying that's true no no manual yeah (laughs) yeah 
Yeah, if you get a PHEV or once you get the PHEV or the hybrid, that's it. That's to say goodbye to your manual. Yeah, anything electrified, you're you're gonna lose. You're the gonna manual. have to lose the manual. Yeah. yeah. So, so I I my well, my well. advice as a big uh, cheerleader for EVs is just stick with your Civic for as long as possible. Especially up that hill, it's much easier to get up that hill with the manual transmission than the automatic because you're going vroom, 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 you know, yeah. and when those <laughs> trucks pull out in front of you on 58, yeah, you you know Lawrence, you know. <laughs> he knows. He does. <laughs> All right. Um, finally, Sean Whitehurst uh, says, uh, greetings, Wheelbearings team. I picked up rental cars in France, Italy, and Norway last month. Uh, there was a ton of EVs. I had a PHEV uh, DS7 and a PHEV Toyota RAV4. Uh, I tried to charge the RAV4 at my hotel, but was unsuccessful. First, I had to use a browser and not an app for the outlet because apps are geo-locked and similar issues with parking and scooter apps. Um, once that was figured out, I pulled out the cable from the trunk. It had uh, CSS on one end and the EU plug on the other hand, on the other end, just like my 120 volt leaf. Um, the charging outlet at the hotel was CCS. Um, okay. I looked for the, uh, looked for the rest of uh, the trip at all the charging stands and kept finding CCS. Is this normal? Are there CCS to CCS cables? Uh, it just felt so odd for uh, bring your own cable to not work with OEM cables. So I'm not quite sure. I mean, yeah, CCS type two, you know, which is a different variant of the CCS we have here in North America is standard across Europe. So all the chargers you'll find across Europe all have CCS connectors on them. Um, presumably the, the plugin, you know, the RAV4 prime in Europe, you know, also has the, uh, uh, the CCS type two, uh, port on there. Um, see the, the cable, the cable that would come with the vehicle would be designed for, um, you know, plugging into your household outlet. Um, so it's going to have the CCS on one side to plug into the car and then the EU plug on, on the other end. Um, I, I've never seen a CCS to CCS cable. So they have the, the BYOD, like charge you know bring your own charging cable like everywhere like when you park out of, like on the street there's like a little mm -hmm. box and you just plug it in i've actually yeah. never tried to unplug someone's cable to see what the port is so i don't know if it's if it's regular plug or if it's something else because they might have a yeah. it might be a different plug but i don't think uh, those are fast charges so i don't see why they wouldn't just be the regular euro plug. yeah yeah i would guess anything like that like a curbside charger that doesn't have a cable on it um would just have a standard european you know ac outlet uh, because, you know, and, and that would be fine because in Europe they use 240 volts anyway. So it's going to be the same thing as a level two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, that should be what you, you know, so anything that's got a cable on it is going to have a CCS connector on the end of it, a CCS type two connector on the end of it that you plug right into the vehicle. If it doesn't have a cable, if it's just got a plug, it's probably going to have just a standard EU plug. I, I, I not. I mean, I don't know. I, I next time I, in, I'm in Europe, I'm gonna walk up because I always like take pictures of them because I'm always like, this is why is this not? Why is this so hard in the United States? Because it's everywhere in Europe. <laughs> why is it so hard? Especially for us? in Norway. If you look in Norway, they're just oh like God, every they're parking space is, uh, you know, everywhere. one of those. Everywhere. It's, yeah. And it's just bring your own cable, which makes sense because you know when you have the cable out, people mess with it or whatever. And well, if especially you if it's curbside, your own cable, you know, people are gonna it's gonna yeah, be it's in the, the street. Yeah. yeah, it's gonna be on the the ground. It's gonna be in the street. But if it's bring your own cable, and you're just like everyone gets out of their car and they plug their little thing and they plug their right. When we were in where were we? Amsterdam. When we had a car, 
Like we were like, oh, we can park. No, we can't. It's charging. <laughs> it's a yeah. charging spot. We can park somewhere else. So yeah, I I don't I'll go look at those. I guess I I, I need to start opening them up and paying attention, tearing into them and. <laughs> See All right. Is. So that's it for this week. Um, thank you, everybody. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.